Welcome to the Oklahoma Drill. It's just Ryan and Alex's time, and we're going to move quick through this preview so we can talk about the rest of the weekend. Obviously, we have Iowa State coming up. The game's in Ames at 11 o'clock local. Um, how are you feeling about it, Alex? I'm feeling pretty good. I just realized this will be a 9 o'clock game for you yeah, on, they on Saturday. Are. I mean, I know. That's pretty... That's, I, guess I hadn't week, even thought about that yet. Last week was at 10 o'clock, but yeah, the 10. FAU game in this game. I just roll out of bed and start watching football. How is that? How is that experience? It's okay. The only thing I don't like about it is that it means that the Pac-12 games are at like normal nighttime and not like midnight. So there's no games after it? Is that a bummer? Well, yeah. Well, there's Hawaii games, but you know, it's... Right, right. To me, it makes the football watching day actually feel longer, even though it's over earlier. Um, over earlier, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, I've always, because I've always wondered, you know, I've obviously lived in the central time zone my whole life. I always wondered what the the West Coast experience is. I feel like that would just, the worst part about the West Coast sports experience would be the um, the Saturday morning soccer events yeah I just like because those yeah you just can't do it yeah it's yeah you like, just gotta it's gotta it's, catch highlights of that yeah it's almost more viable to stay up for games than yeah to wake up early <laughs> um yeah but, all right yeah <laughs> are you just gonna play iowa state in a football game this weekend yes they are um, um so obviously this is kind of a tense game because oh you coughed it up last year um and I don't know. What do we, how do we feel about that? What do we think that that's effect is? So, I mean, I personally would be a lot more nervous about this game if we had not lost to them last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it seems like a thing within this program, you know, it was that way through the entire Bob Stoops era is just, I think we lost to a team two years in a row. Like, you know, we lost to Texas a couple times two years in a row, and we lost to Baylor two years in a row. Mm-hmm. But other than that, when we lose to a team, we make it right the next year. You yeah. know, so it's not, it's not really something that you know I and it seemed to carry through last year with Lincoln Riley and Ohio State and stuff. So to me, that helps. That helps us. So I don't know. I'm a little. I don't at ease, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. Um, kind of going into this weekend, even though it's, it's in Ames. Yeah. It's like, this is an early game in Ames with, you know, a relatively inexperienced quarterback. And we just lost our star running back. We should be more worried than this, but it's hard to be right. Right. Well, and one, another thing that makes me feel better about this game is that, is if you look at last year's game, like the number of fluke things that happened was truly impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, not that, you know, Iowa State deserved to win the game, obviously. But just, you know, if you think about Abdul Adams, his first carry of the game was a 35-yard run, and then he hurts his ankle a couple plays later. Um, CD lamb hurts his shoulder on a freaking touchdown catch. Yeah. We lose Steven Parker in the first half of that game, you know, like all three of those guys, you know, especially the offensive guys, I think 
You know, in the second half, we were completely in search for guys to make plays. And those two were probably two of the guys at that time that were the most capable of making plays. Yeah. And we just didn't have them. You know, obviously we know, like, this was pre-Rodney Anderson becoming Rodney Anderson. Yeah, this he had pre- one. Yeah. This he had pre- one carry for two yards in that game. Yeah. Like, this was when you started to feel like Rodney Anderson wasn't going to be, you know, a valuable player on this team. And, you know, he eventually proved you wrong. But at this time, it was really confusing. Like, at this time, we were still thinking that, you know, Jeff Bidette was our primary guy. Like, for this right. situation. This was before Hollywood Brown was a thing. Well, I'm just, I'm looking at our receiving leaders for this game last year. And the leader was Dimitri Flowers. Yeah. Seven catches for 95 yards. Trey Sermon was second, five catches for 54 yards. That's a fullback and a running back. Then Mark Andrews, three catches for 50. He was a tight end. You know, and obviously that was a guy that they just, they bracketed the hell out of Mark Andrews last year. Yeah. You know, and then behind him, you're looking at Jordan Smallwood, two catches for 40 yards. Like this was just none of those guys you would consider playmakers. You know, C.D. Lamb came next, but, you know, obviously we lost him in like the first quarter. So it just in that second half of the game, we just didn't have guys that we could really go to. And that was really why we lost the game, you know, off from an offensive standpoint, because this was by far our worst offensive output from last year. Just they yeah. were not able to get it done in the second half. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, and, you know, even with Rodney being done for the season, um, we just have more of those guys now. You know, if, if you know, we don't lose three, you know, three important skill players in the first half of this game, you know, when the time comes to make plays, there will be multiple guys who can step up and make those plays. Um, and that's, yeah. I mean, that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously there there were two sides of the ball in that game. <laughs> yeah. And our, our defense was not good, you know, by any means. And I was just looking through Kyle Kemp's uh, game logs. He threw for 343 yards in that game on 75% completion percentage and three touchdowns. He has not thrown for that many yards since, and he's only thrown for over 300 once since that game. You know, yeah. so that in itself, you know, our defense played a big role, but in its that performance in itself is kind of a fluke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of an aberration. Like, not to say not necessarily like a Trevor Knight type thing, but like, you know, he hasn't had a game near that good since. So, um, and obviously, and we obviously might not even see Kyle Kemp because that's a thing, right? Do we need? Yeah. I guess we should probably mention that Kyle Kemp got hurt last week. Yes, he did. Um, we'll see as far as that goes. Um, I was reading up a bit on his backup, Zeb Noland. Yeah, his um, name is Zeb. His name is Zeb. First off, not a great start. <laughs> um, uh, the Des Moines Register does think that he has a cannon, so. Maybe that'll come into play, but they don't have an Alan Lazard to haul those things in. They've right. lost, they've actually lost fifty four percent of their catches from last year. Um, went that and that was three targets, and all of those guys are gone. Right, a majority of their yeah. One thing I will. S- yeah, um, I was just kind of looking through their their box score for Iowa and. Um, they do have a big receiver though. Um, Hakeem Butler, mm-hmm. 
is, you know, he led their team in receiving. And so he had three catches for 35 yards, but he is 6'6", 225. Um, so, I mean, that's a guy that, you know, he's got similar size to a guy like Alan Lazard. Obviously, you know, Alan Lazard was a big-time player. He was a big-time recruit, and mm-hmm. he turned into a big-time player. Hakeem Butler does not have that history of production. Like, he he played well last year. He had 697 yards last year and seven touchdowns, but, you know, he was not Alan Lazard, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, he's probably their main threat as a receiver. Um, another guy, Deshante Jones. You know, he two years ago had a pretty big season, 37 catches for 536 yards. But, you know, he hasn't done a lot since then. So, I mean, they have some guys that, you know, might be notable pass catchers. But, you know, they haven't shown much this season. So they're just, you know, guys to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think the, the focal point of their offense is going to be David Montgomery. Yeah. Um, um, like uh, most of you will remember him breaking all the tackles last year against us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's, I, I, I forget what his, he had a ridiculous stat line against us last year. It was, um, he only ran for 55 yards, but then he had 89 yards receiving. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, it was a ridiculous game because they basically, cut us up with throwing balls very well-timed passes to alan lazard and then a bunch of screens like that was really their game plan last year you know um yeah and david montgomery is a special player but i've looked at how this defense has defended screens and balls to the edge so far this year and i feel mm -hmm. like we're just in a way better position to stop that stuff like the um Kenneth Murray has shown an incredible ability to just turn into a heat-seeking missile whenever the ball gets on the outside. Um, I, I feel like we're in a better position specifically to stop that sort of thing. Um, as far as deep balls to big receivers, I mean, I'm honestly a little worried um, just because I think about stuff like, you know, we've got one of our star DBs is only 5'9", right? So, uh, a receiver like Hakeem Butler's got eight, nine inches on Buki, and, you know, that becomes an issue, certainly. Right. I, you know, the way I look at it, you know, our defense, I think a lot of, you know, in a lot of, you know, for example, the Iowa State game last year, mm-hmm. we didn't look good. You know, we were out of position some, but I think there was a, a large part of it that just, we didn't play that hard. Yeah. You know, like it was just, there was an effort problem on the field, you know, like you don't get beat by screens, you know, if you're really, really putting everything you have into pursuing the ball, you know what I mean? Like that's just, you know, that kind of comes with it because like David Montgomery, he'll, he'll miss, he'll break a tackle but there should be two or three other guys there as well. You yeah. know what I mean? If you're really pursuing with everything you have and that's something we've seen this year, you know, yeah. like, I mean, you look at what we did to Devin Singletary, you know, who I, you know, honestly, I kind of think of him as a similar type back to Devin Montgomery or David Montgomery, mm-hmm. um, you know, just kind of a shorter, more powerful guy. Um, 
I, I really like the matchup, you know, especially from in terms of defending the screen aspect of this offense, you know, like I think that there's going to be a lot of, you know, I see a, a, a game where like a guy like Ryan Jones could have a really big game, you know, yeah. just because the athleticism that he's kind of showcased, especially defending screens, like that's something that, you know, he's really kind of flourished at so far. Yeah. And go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to I was just agreeing. Yeah. Well, and I, I just, you know, I see the athleticism on this defense and I just see that the the effort that they've played with so far. And I like the matchup with with this offense, you know, because just I think the things that they were able to take advantage of with us last year, um, a was the screens and just the effort and just the, the mental mistakes to let guys, you know, get outside of you on a wide receiver screen. Um, Parnell Motley had a really bad bust last year on that. And I think Parnell Motley's looked pretty good, especially, you know, coming up and tackling this year. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty high on that. And then like, another, like, I think Trey Brown is a really good matchup because I think that's something Trey Brown excels at. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I think that our defense is in a much better place to stop this Iowa state offense on the other side of the ball. Um, okay, think, real quick, real oh, quick. Go ahead. I also think that there is you cannot over or underestimate the value of this defense not having Jordan Thomas on it. That's because a really fair point. <laughs> we kind of saw the defense stabilize and become halfway decent, you know, midway through last year. Whenever we just decided that, oh yeah, we can't play Jordan Thomas, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Jordan Thomas was one of the main culprits of, you know, not being able to guard uh, Alan Lazard guys and like on on deep balls. Like he just didn't make the play when he was there to make the play. Mm-hmm. And I I think that you know from what I've seen from Parnell Motley and uh, Trey Brown and Trey Norwood, I think all three of those guys are just they're more competitive players than Jordan Thomas. And so yeah. I don't worry about them as much in terms of getting beat in just one-on-one matchups. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, anything else on the defense? Uh, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, Iowa State, you know, we talked about, we really covered their passing game. They haven't seemed good at running the ball. Um, yeah. You know, this was not something they were particularly successful with last year against us. Yeah. And we were seemingly much worse against the run you know like they had they had 81 yards rushing against this last year yeah you know like that was not an issue they were unable to run the ball they had 19 yards rushing against Iowa Mm -hmm. like David Montgomery had 44 yards on 17 carries like running the ball does not seem to be a, a strong point for the Iowa State Cyclones so we need to see in a, another game where, like, our defensive line should dominate the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Like, that's what we need to see. This could this needs to be a game where Neville Gallimore is getting into the backfield making plays, Kenneth Mann, all of those guys. They mm-hmm. need to be clogging up those lanes to make Iowa State have to throw the ball and, you know, so they can play into kind of our athleticism and our matchup issues or the matchup issues that they're going to have with our athletes out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, on the other side of the ball, 
you've got this Iowa State defense, um, which is sort of in an interesting place. Um, they um, they did hold Iowa to a mere 13 points, which was enough to secure a victory for Iowa. But um, at the same time, their defensive prowess was really, really lopsided last year. They were like an incredible run-stopping unit, but teams could really pass all over them if they wanted. Um, they allowed like a 67% pass completion rate on the season. Um, and now this is playing in the Big 12, but still, that's bad. Um, so what are you, how do you feel about this? Well, first of all, I think the only way Iowa State is going to be able to come up with enough points to win this game is they're going to have to score with their defense at some point, or at least give their offense the ball in like really, really favorable positions. Um, so it's going to be of the utmost importance. Kyler Murray's got to take care of the ball. You know, that's first and foremost. Last year, we put the ball on the ground inside their 10 yard line, took away points from us. They drove down and scored. Mm -hmm. It was pretty much the flip and the 14 point swing in the game that cost us the game. Yeah. You know, that specific play. Um, like you said, they're pretty good against the run. Yeah. You know, Iowa was only able to muster 105 yards last week. Um, so their defensive line is, they're pretty talented. Um, I have a bit of a concern with Trey Sermon, um, because this might be another matchup where like, you know, I, the creases might not be huge. So we might need a guy that's able to just hit what is there Mm -hmm. or break it to the outside, you know, something of, of that nature. Um, so I'm not super convinced on Trey Sermon like he was all right against them last year he had 90 yards but there was just an aspect of our run game that we just weren't able to take advantage of last year he had 11 yards that was his longest run last year was 11 yards yeah so that to me is a bit of a concern is that we're just not going to be able to be explosive enough in the run game um but you know if we can find a way to be efficient running the ball you know that will obviously kind of take care of it um, which, which of the three running backs, or I guess there's four now, duh. um, which would you expect to, to have the best matchup for this game or which one would you expect to have the, the best yards per carry this game? Um, geez. Uh, I agree with you that I don't think this is a great game for Trey Sermon. Um, because the, um, you know, primarily the, uh, run stopping is coming from their defensive line. They graduated to. Uh, they graduated two linebackers, one of which was Joel Lanning, who probably should have won the Ironman Award last year. But <laughs> um, the um, so to me, it's probably not Trey Sermon. Um, it's it'll depend on more than anything. I think it'll depend on who the coaches trust. Like it'll depend on what the coaches think about this question in between Marcellus right. Sutton and T.J. Pledger. Okay, um, because. Uh, you know, if one of them hits his stride and is able to go out there and get things done, like, we'll probably not see the other very much. Right. Yeah, I... I Obviously, Trey Sermon's going to get the first crack at it, you know, and for all, all we've said so far, he'll let, he's liable to go out there and average 12 yards a carry or something crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, just to spite us, but... 
you know, I, I've been really supportive of TJ Pledger for, you know, since the beginning of the season, really. Yeah. I don't think this is the weekend that the coaches are going to throw him in there and really give him a lot of, of workload. I think Marcellius, this is weird for me. I think Marcellius Sutton will finish the game with the most total yards from a running back, whether that be him yeah. catching the ball or whether that be him um, running the ball. And I realize I didn't answer my original question with that, but um, <laughs> I think at the end of the day, we will look at Marcellius Sutton having been the most effective running back on the day. And again, yeah. Very weird for me to say because I've I've been a huge critic of Marcellus Sutton um, in his career, but I, I do I do like what I've seen from him so far this year. Yeah, I mean I also think that a lot of this is going to come down to the O line performance um, because this offensive line has the ability to just show out pretty much against anybody, definitely anybody in this conference, and if they're able to do that, then I think Trey Sermon could have an awesome day. Um, yeah. I think Trey Sermon's running style is one that, I mean, he just needs an offensive line's help to get him to the second level where he can really work. Yeah. Um, yeah, because so, once he gets there, he's going to stiff arm the crap out of any safeties or even yeah. some linebackers he sees. Yeah. So it's it's really only yeah. like when he's got guys coming at come facing him head on that are bigger than him. That's the problem. Um, yeah. So would you say I think it's pretty fair to say that if if Trey Sermon has a good game, there's just we're gonna beat them by a decent margin. Would you say that's fair? Um, I think it's totally possible. But I also think that if Trey Sermon has a good game, this game might not last very long. You know? Yeah. No, I I can see that. Um, um, but I think that that would be the number one thing. I think that's what we're gonna try to establish early. You yeah. know, I think we'll come into the game looking for Trey Sermon to get going and see if he's the guy to replace Rodney. Um, and if he's successful, I think it's going to be a really pretty smooth day for the offense. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, I mean, I hope, I hope that happens, you know, um, but you know, I think there's still going to be some, there's going to be plenty of opportunity for a guy like Marcellius Sutton. Um, I do have a bold prediction with the running backs though. Mm -hmm. I don't know how bold it is, but it's bolder than some of the other predictions. Uh, pretty much everybody that I've heard talk about our running back situation is really high on TJ Pledger. Yeah. And they all say that by the end of the season, they think he'll be our number one back. And I agree with that statement. However, I would like to take it a step further. And I think that by Texas, TJ Pledger is our number one back. This is an interesting... That's interesting. I would... Okay. We'll see where that goes. I'll yeah, just, I, we'll just write that down and see where that goes. Yeah, because, I mean, we've got this game, we've got Army, and we've got Baylor um, before that Texas game. I think that's enough time for TJ Pledger to establish himself as the guy that can really not fulfill Rodney Anderson's role, but kind of do some of the things that he did. You know, mm -hmm. the guy that we need to pair with Trey Sermon. Yeah. Here, um, here's a quick question. Um, because it's something I've been pondering. Um, coming into the season, we were both really confident that we would see a lot of split backfield stuff to sort of, uh, that would be the new evolution of having, um, you know, like a Rodney Anderson, Dimitri Flowers backfield is the Rodney Anderson, Trey Sermon backfield. Um, now that Rodney's hurt, 
Do you think we'll see more or less split backfield? I think it. I think at first we'll see less of it. I think we might see some more Carson Meyer this weekend. Yeah. You know, because like I, I think we're gonna try to establish a ground game. I do. I think that they're gonna try to show that last week. Well, that we just didn't execute well. We can run on anybody, no matter how they're defending us. I think they're really gonna come out and try to prove, mm-hmm. you know, prove to everyone that hey, we can run the ball. So I think we're gonna see a lot of Carson Meyer this week. But I would hope. Because, you, you know, if you look at it, just, you know, even if you take T.J. Pledger out of it, Marcellius Sutton and uh, Trey Sermon would seemingly kind of complement each other really well if yeah. they were on the field at the same time. You know, you could do different things with both players. Um, I kind of I kind of like that idea. And then throwing T.J. Pledger into it, I think, you know, Pledger has a ton of receiving ability. Like, he's a complete running back. So I think that there's, you know, we should see a lot of that as the season progresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about where I fell on that as well. So we're in agreement there. That's good. Um, what else do we want to talk about when it comes to this game? So I think there's there's a specific player that we have really yet to mention that's <laughs> pretty important. We haven't mentioned the uh, the Walter Camp player of the, of the week in Kyler Murray. This is true. Um, he is still the quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. Um, mm-hmm. This will be his third start, first tr- road game as yep. a Sooner starting. Um, what do we expect to see from Kyler Murray this weekend? I will say, strictly speaking, this is his fourth start. But <laughs> Right, right. Third um, start as an Oklahoma Sooner. No, it's his fourth start as an Oklahoma Sooner. Okay, get, okay yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> first, first road start, all right? First road start. What are we going to see from him? Um, I it's going to be interesting because one of the things I said, like, I don't think very much of Iowa State's passing defense. So if he can throw, like if he's able to establish a, a game through the air, um, that he could have an amazing day. Um, I would be more excited about him doing that than uh, about him getting things done on the ground. Okay. Um, so if you remember last year's game, and I know I'm, I'm referencing this game a lot, mm-hmm. but I, to me, I, if I'm Iowa State, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. And I'm like, well, what we did last year worked. Like we should probably try to do something similar and hope that, you know, we can cause them to make the mistakes they did last year. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield had a really good day on the ground last year. He yeah. had 11 carries for 57 yards. Um, if they defend us like they did last year, Kyler Murray's going for a lot of yards on the ground. This is true. Yeah. Like they really, cause last year, you know, everybody talks about it. They played like this umbrella defense where they mm-hmm. dropped eight into coverage and they just, they just were like, we we're going to make Baker Mayfield, you know, make decisions against eight guys in coverage and just, you know, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, like, and Baker was willing to tuck the ball and run quite a bit last year. Yeah. I mean, there's a big difference between Baker Mayfield doing that and Kyler Murray doing that. Yeah, that's you know? absolutely true. So um, I, I don't know. I kind of see see a big day on the ground from Kyler. You know, unless Iowa State is thinking like we are, and they're like, well, we're gonna have to 
we want to make Kyler Murray beat us through the air this year. You know what I yeah. mean? We, we're going to take away him running. Um, in which case, like you said, their pass defense is kind of suspect. Um, so they might be susceptible to getting beat over the top because we have the best receiving duo in the country. Yeah. And this I'm is, comfortable saying that. This is my thing is that like our receiving core just has a lot more of guys being dudes in it at the moment. Yeah. Um, just like CD lamb getting hurt was a huge moment in that game because CD lamb is a legitimate receiving yeah. playmaker. Like he can just go right. and get a ball. Um, and <laughs> that's, um, you know, that'll beat that'll beat any coverage. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And then Marquise Brown is faster than anyone. Yeah. Just anyone. And he just had not established himself at this point last year. Like he yeah. just wasn't, he was not Hollywood Brown. We had no idea who Hollywood Brown was at this point last year, mm-hmm. you know? And I, you know, CD lamb goes down in the first quarter of this game. We have a guy who started over CD lamb last week. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> we have, we have legitimate backups this year. It's not going to be Jordan Smallwood. You know, props to Jordan Smallwood for being a good program player, but the dude wasn't that good. Let's be honest. He was better on the jet sweep than he was as a receiver, mm-hmm. um, except against Georgia. We don't need to talk about it. Oh, God. Um, but, yeah, A.D. Miller is seemingly a legitimate threat at receiver. Like, he's yeah. caught two touchdown passes already this season. He's a guy that practiced better than C.D. Lamb going into last week. You know, like he's a legitimate guy. Like he's a guy that I feel comfortable with on the field. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's not in the class of C.D. Lamb, but you know, there's not just this like huge gulf between those two guys. You yeah. know what I mean? We just have we have depth. Like that's just we have more depth than we did at this point last year. We yeah. we have more depth now than we really had at any point last year at the receiver spot. Yeah. You know, so just. We're not going to be put in the situation where we were last year where it's like, holy crap, How? where's Dimitri Flowers? That's the guy I have to throw to right now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it's just not going to happen. So I'm I'm optimistic, man. I think that this is – I think we're covering the spread. You know, 17 and a half I think is the spread I saw. I think we're going to cover that. Um, it's – you know, I feel I feel good. I don't know. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Do we want to go to like a couple players to watch this weekend? Um, can I be honest? I don't really feel like it. Okay. As I feel All like right, that's I fine. Mean, we've, we've, I will say, um, if Creed Humphrey starts, obviously watch Creed Humphrey because this is the second, start, yeah. his first true road start. I want to see if he's getting it down, you know? Right. Um, I, th- I think, I mean, and I'll, I'll just throw out, and we'll, we, we'll wind up throwing out. I'm going to throw out Curtis Bolton just because I want to see if he can keep it up. Yeah. Like, he's been a legitimate playmaker through two games, you know, better than what we've seen at the linebacker spot in a long time. You know, can he keep it up? You know, like, you know, can he do it against a Big 12 opponent? And if he can, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, he's growing on me quite a bit. Yeah. All right. Score predictions, I guess, real quick. Score predictions. Hit yeah. me with one. Uh, I think that the spread is roughly correct on this one. I think 
uh, something like 28 to 10 feels fine to me, you know? Okay. Um, 28 to 10 and a game that ultimately doesn't last very long. Yeah. I'm going to go 38 to 13. Okay. Um, I think we're going to, you know, our offense isn't going to be, you know, I respect Iowa State's defense a little bit. I think they'll give us a a little bit of trouble more so than what we've seen Mm -hmm. this year. Um, But I still think we find a way to put 38 on them. And if they, I'm going to be honestly concerned about this defense if they score 20. You know, like I think. I agree. This will be, if we, if we allow them to get to 20 points, that will be, uh, you know, unless it's like. 38 to six and they score twice late or something, you know, but if it's like, you know, 31 to 20 at some point in the third or fourth quarter, I'm going to be a little bit concerned about what we saw from the defense on the day. Do you think that as analytics continues to permeate sports knowledge um, and sports fandom, we'll get uh, betting lines that um, specify uh, before garbage time? I don't know, man. I feel like that's a really big part of gambling, you know. Like there, you yeah. got the bat. Like it's like it's a whole thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's a pretty big thing at this point. So it'd be kind of, kind of weird to change it. Mm-hmm. So also, just real quick, I'm l- looking at the box score from that uh, OU Iowa State game last year. Did Jeff Mead throw a pass in that game that I'm not remembering? Uh, because he's he's on the box score. Is one it, of one it? for 17 yards. I have completely forgotten this. Yeah, I don't remember that. Like, it, I mean, ESPN's not perfect, obviously, in their box score, so that might just flat out be a mistake. Um, but, yeah, it's it's got Jeff Mead down as a one-of-one one for 17 yards. So, if anybody – I bet that's something Nathan probably would remember. It like, he would remember a, a union guy throwing a pass. So, <laughs> hit us up on Twitter, Nathan. Um. All right. all right, so that's that's all we're going to go for for this game. Do we see any more big-time special teams plays in this game? Um, You know, as many punts as there are going to be, probably. Okay. I, I really like what Shane Beamer has done with those units. Um, mm-hmm. And it's an Iowa State game. There are going to be punts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not willing to predict a punt return touchdown, but I could see another mm-hmm. good return for CD or something along those lines. Um. All right. So, do we want to jump into what we what we wanted to talk about? With this is a really good weekend for college football. It is. Yeah. So I think I think the best place. I think we should start with the Big Twelve matchups mm-hmm. because. It's a pretty interesting weekend for the Big 12. Yeah, I agree. We've got a lot of actually pretty prominent uh, out-of-conference games. Um, so where do we start with that? Do we start with, of course... I think there's only one... I, I think there's only one place to start, and that is Rutgers, Kansas. That's right. On the plains of Lawrence, the Scarlet Knights are coming to meet the Jayhawks. This game exists, man. Rutgers is playing Kansas in football. Yeah. What an incredible, like, you know, people give ADs a lot of crap for their scheduling and stuff. This was an incredible matchup scheduled by these ADs. Yes. You know, like, what a matchup. They knew what they were doing. 
They did. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so who, who do you got in this one? Uh, Kansas is favored by two and a half right now. That's a start. They're pretty. They're favored because they're at home. This is yeah. What is the over under in this game? I don't have an over under. Oh man. I just have the spread. I. I'm gonna take Rutgers. Oh, I, sorry. The over under is forty four and a half. You're describing a game that sounds incredible. A forty-four and a half over/under with a two and a half point spread. Yeah. Like that's amazing. That's a good football yeah. game. Twenty-four um, to twenty-two. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> um, no, I'll take Rutgers. Um, I'm not betting on Kansas. At no point during this podcast will I ever bet on Kansas. Yeah, agree. I'm. I. I think. I think Rutgers is going to win the game as well. You know, I just winning Kansas. Kansas winning one game is a pretty huge accomplishment. I'm not sure they're ready for a winning streak up in Lawrence yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next one I think we should go to kind of a crap matchup. US, UTSA, Kansas State. Kansas State's probably going to win. UTSA's looked bad so far this year. All right, that brings us to Duke-Baylor. Sneaky good matchup in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um You've got Duke, and you got Baylor. Um, I haven't seen very much of Baylor this year, by which I mean I haven't watched any Baylor this year. Are they same? St- are they still abysmal, or have they fixed that problem? Well, they are two and zero. They just they beat they put over thirty on UTSA. Can UTSA not no. looking like they're very good this year? Really pretty bad. Duke. Duke, on the other hand, has a couple impressive wins. Yeah, you know, they went up to Northwestern last week and beat them. They beat Army pretty handily in their first game. Mm-hmm. I think Duke wins this game. I do too. I think Duke is just—they're a shockingly competent team. Like they just—they'll do mm-hmm. what they're gonna do. They'll execute their game plan as well as they can. And if it's enough, they win. And if it's not, they lose. <laughs> and that's about it. Um. I suspect it will be enough against this Baylor team that's still, honestly, still reeling. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that's Duke Baylor. So that let's yeah. let's go to um, we're gonna save Boise State Oklahoma State, uh, Houston Texas Tech. This is actually probably gonna be a really amazing game. I'm really um, excited about it. Yeah. yeah. I also think that Texas Tech is going to lose this football game. <laughs> yeah. This game, there's going to be points yeah. in this and, game. And like there the will be so many points. The incredible thing is that this is going to be a game filled with points, and the best player on the field is a defensive lineman. I know. Yeah. Like, you'll get yeah. everything you'll want out of this game. There'll be, like, 12 touchdowns and 8 sacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just by Ed Oliver himself. He'll yeah. have eight sacks, probably. Um, tech, now ESPN, the matchup predictor, they have Tech at 76% to win this game. And I got to say, I think Houston wins. They're favored by one in That's, this game. Like they're, That is a remarkable setup. So ESPN's that, advanced yeah. statistics give Tech a 76% win chance. And they're, yep, 76%. And they're not favored? Correct. That's fascinating. Oh, and we have the best over-under of all. Is it? Care, care to throw 
Throw out a guess for the over-under. 96. It is 69. Oh, nice. Yes, a very nice over-under for this one. Um, take the over, y'all. <laughs> like, this is going over. Yeah, that's, uh, um, that's what a, that's like a 35-33 game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is that, not going to be a 35-33 game. Yeah, that is, that's happening at halftime, so. Um, I, yeah, I, it is in Lubbock. It is in Lubbock. We can't we can't underestimate that. But that's you know, Houston that's Houston's looked great so far this year. They beat the crap out of Arizona. I I think Houston wins the game. I like their quarterback a lot. He got me a lot of fantasy points last week in my college football fantasy mm-hmm. league thing that I do. So shout out to him. Um. So let's go to Texas USC. Yeah, this is a game that's happening. It is. uh, Fox is billing this one in an interesting way. No, it's incredible. It is um, like they're building it as the or billing it as the 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 cap of the trilogy of games between these two programs. And it's just it's. No, one of those it's... games happened 13 years ago, and one of the teams claims it technically never happened. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, that game had Vince Young in it, and none of these games have had anything approaching Vince Young in them. No. No. Yeah, Sam Ellinger, not quite on that level. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. He's only a sophomore. He's got some time. <laughs> so uh, ESPN's power index, interestingly, they have Texas at 56% on this one, which, I mean, they're at home, so that makes some sense. Um, yeah. Texas is also favored by three and a half. So I Texas has not looked good at any point this year, Jeez. you know? It's so like it, bad. Yeah, at least USC looked good in the second half of their first game. Like, I know it was UNLV, but, like, at least they looked good, yeah. you know. Like they they play then they played a really good Stanford team. Mm-hmm. Like the the competition level between Stanford and Texas, USC is gonna feel like, oh, this is better, this is easier. You know yeah. what I mean? Texas is gonna go from Maryland and Tulsa athletes to USC guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I don't like that. Yeah. I'm not I'm not a fan. And then you've got the fact that if it's a close game, Sam Sam Ellinger is gonna lose it for him. Like yeah. you just have to just say that that's going to happen at this yeah. point. It's um, no. Texas is not going to win this football game. If they do, though, man, get ready. Will they be ranked if they, they will, if they win? They will jump into the top twenty-five. I oh man, it doesn't oh, even man. matter because like seventy-eight-year-olds who haven't actually watched a football game in five years will send in their AP votes because Texas beat USC. And that probably means they're <laughs> yeah. number one now. Yeah. Yeah, I like I, I think you I, I'm going to pick USC. This might be more of a hopeful pick because I don't think either team's very good. I'm hoping that both teams look bad in this game. I think that is likely. That's really hard. my hope. Yeah, that's really all I hope is that just... It's like a 
ugly, ridiculous 22 to 20 game or something stupid where, you know, there's like a couple turnover touchdowns. I don't know. Just I want both teams to look bad. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Ohio State versus TCU. Okay. A legitimately marquee matchup here. Yeah. It is worth noting Ohio State has looked unbelievable so far this year. They have played two of the worst top uh, power five teams. Yeah. That cannot be, you know, that can't be overlooked. But Dwayne Haskins through two games is 42 of 53 for 546 <laughs> yards and nine touchdowns. God, that's just He looks nuts. like he's he doesn't suck. He looks like he doesn't suck. Yeah. Um, the uh, power index gives Ohio State an 86.7% chance to win this game. Yeah. They're favored by 12 and a half. What are we thinking? Ohio State's averaging 650 yards a game. Well, they'll probably not do that. But 12 and a half feels about right. Um, they're going to beat TCU. Ohio yeah. State is legitimately very good this year. Um, yeah, they are. And unless the triumphant return of Urban Meyer to the sideline means that they go back into their quarterback run dominant shell. Well, he's he's not going to be there this week. Oh, is this that is his going? last this is his last game of suspension. Okay, right. But he's been at practice this week. Is that or Yeah, he was he's been he was at practice at, ever since their first game happened. So God, he was at practice is, last week too. God, the suspension is such nonsense. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think Ohio State's going to win this game. Um, yeah, this is one of those games where most it's most people are obviously going to be rooting for TCU, especially in this region. Yeah. Um, however, I kind of hope Ohio State puts it on them because honestly, if TCU beats Ohio State, I'm going to be really scared of TCU. Yeah, and I don't want to be scared of TCU, so I hope I just see what I expect, and Ohio State goes down and wins by like seventeen or something. You know, yeah. like, yeah. you know, I think I think TCU is good. I think they'll keep it close for a while. Their defense is solid. Like, I think they'll, you know, this is a huge step up in competition for Ohio State, yeah. um, in terms of who they're facing defensively. So it might take Dwayne Haskins a half a football to really kind of get into the flow. But, you know, it's probably going to happen at some point. And, on, you know, if Ohio State goes down there and beats the crap out of TCU, I mean, Ohio State, you got to look at them as like a, a championship favorite, you know, at yeah. that point. You yeah. know, like they – Well, I That will be a really impressive Alabama, performance. Well, yeah. yeah, obviously, but non-Alabama but, division. Yeah, and at you the same time, this will State. still be way more impressive than anything Alabama has done. Right, exactly. Um, so and yeah. probably more impressive than anything Alabama will do this That's year. Fair. Their schedule sucks, but That's fair. Until they play Georgia in the championship. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Auburn, but that's at home still, but whatever. Yeah. Um, all right, last Big 12 game that we haven't talked about. We have Boise State, the Murder Smurfs as they have <laughs> Um, God, they were quick to accept. Been that. referred uh, to, yeah. They were really what an ready incredible to, nickname. Yeah, they were really ready to internalize that. Um, yeah. yeah, the Murder Smurfs are coming down to Stillwater. They will be facing my beloved Oklahoma State Cowboys. Um, 
Yeah, ESPN's power index, you know, I'm really agreeing with them on this one, giving Oklahoma State a 54% chance to win the game. <laughs> Oklahoma State is also favored by two points. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of smart things here. Both offenses have looked incredible so far this year. You know, both averaging over 600 yards a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in the end, Oklahoma State's just got too many weapons for a G5 opponent like Boise State. <laughs> you know, just your run-of-the-mill G5 team. Um, they're just I think they're just going to be overwhelmed by the athletes that are running around in Stillwater right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this game will probably be over by the end of the fourth – or by obviously be over by the end of the fourth quarter. Probably be over by the end of the third quarter, if I'm guessing. Oh, you know, I see, you know, 45-31 Oklahoma State yeah. with a garbage time touchdown for the for the murder Smurfs. Yep. They won't be the murder Smurfs after this weekend, though. That take legitimately made my stomach groan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be very worried if I was a poke at the moment. It is what... Boise State did to UConn. Now, it was UConn, but what they did to UConn was the sort of thing that, like, top ten teams do when they play teams like UConn. Um, 400 yards through the air, 400 yards on the ground, 41 to nothing at halftime. That is... Yeah. That's just... I would be worried. I am sort of empathetically worried for all of the pokes I know. So you're, you're worried for me, is what you're saying? Yes, yeah. Okay. Um, well, well, we'll see. We'll see. I I, uh, I envision a really good game from the Corn Dog this weekend. You know, he looked much better in week two than he did in week mm-hmm. one. Fixed some of those mistakes, just like, just as I said he would, obviously. Um, Justice Hill has yet to really shake loose this year or yeah, this season so far, but you know, I think a really good opportunity this weekend for him against a, another, like I said, a group of five opponent in Boise state, you know, <laughs> just the, the level of athlete will just really shine through for the pokes this weekend, man. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, anything else we want to talk about? Uh, yeah, there's a couple more national games. <laughs> yeah, there are actually some important games nationally. Uh, yeah, let me get out of my my um, OSU fandom here. Yeah, Tigers <laughs> are going to the swamp. Yeah, they are. <laughs> oh, um, we got Tiger on Tiger action yeah, here. Some vicious Tiger on Tiger action. There's a petition um, actually circulating because people want LSU to release Mike and stop having a permanent live mascot yeah um which i think is actually in the long term sort of reasonable though i don't know where you release a bengal tiger um yeah that's been in captivity his whole life probably yeah i just i'm not sure what you i because i understand the impetus and i think it's a fair one i just don't know what the actionable response is Either. Um, Tigers are really scary, man. Oh, you ever yeah. think about how scary they are? Like, if you're just walking down the street and a tiger's there, what do you do? Uh, you know? Yeah. Well, and Spencer Hall um, wrote an incredible series of uh, 
think pieces about SEC animal mascots um, and how they relate to the places they represent um, in honor of the season. And one of the things he talks about with tigers is like, hey, tigers are really, really good at killing things. Like, astonishingly good at killing things. Like, tiger keepers, like, people who work with tigers in zoos, like, you know, at any point when you're working in their enclosure, the tiger could just decide to sneak up behind you and kill you, and you wouldn't hear it. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That's, I'm getting uncomfortable just thinking about that <laughs> yeah. idea. Um, but, but back to football. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who do you got in this one? Auburn um, or LSU? It is an LSU, or it's at Auburn. It is at Auburn, right? It's not in the swamp. um, It's on the plains. The plains of Auburn. Um, I suppose I'll take Auburn. Um, I don't know what to think about Joe Burrow. Have you seen his season stats? No. He is. Okay. This is is pretty good. Mm -hmm. He's the best they have at quarterback. (laughs) He's 21 of 44 for 291 yards and two touchdowns. Well, that's interesting. It's really, Those really bad. It's really bad. Those are some numbers. 21 yeah. of 44 for 291 yards, huh? Yeah. No, okay. it's pretty impressively bad. Um, jeez. Um, yeah. I think I think Auburn gets the win because yeah. LSU. The only way they can really have an effective offense is if they if they're able to really establish a ground game, and I just think Auburn's defensive front is too talented for that. So, you know, and LSU's going to have to throw the ball if they want a chance. And I Joe Burrow's bad. Like, <laughs> let's be real, Joe Bur- Joe Burrow's bad. Yeah. Um. Suddenly, I have an opinion about Joe Burrow, and it's that he's bad. Um. Yeah. So that's that's probably the big game, right? Big game. Yeah, uh, I mean Alabama's gonna beat Ole Miss. We know this. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss might put up some points, but they're not gonna be able to stop Alabama mm-hmm. in their freaking high-powered offense. Now it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Washington Utah is actually really interesting to me—a late-night game. Yes. You know, if you're up late on Saturday, or um, at seven o'clock. Or at seven o'clock, you know your time. <laughs> uh, yeah, Washington at Utah is an interesting one. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pick Utah. Interesting. I think Utah gets the gets the win at home. That would against be, Washington. That would be fun. You know, Jake Browning has looked. Jake Browning's looked less than stellar this year. Um, and Utah's defense is really good. So I'm. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Utah. Utah has given up an average of 143 yards a game so far this year. Yeah. If, so. Um, so Arizona State is playing San Diego State. I'm just thinking about the Pac-12 at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they've got to – they'll likely win that, which means that the Herm train will just keep rolling. Um, and it's going to be real fascinating to see when and where that stops. Yeah. You know, maybe I think there's a possibility it could go really well this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a long-term solution, but yeah, I would I would really like to see it work long-term, just because I like Herm Edwards. Like I think he's pretty funny, so I hope it works. But I'm a little I'm still skeptical yeah. of it. Well, it's um, Herm Edwards like, is great because um, he will 
always he has absolutely no conception of pull quotes so he will yeah. always provide you with one just one per week yeah. he'll say something that out of context sounds completely stupid and out of touch yeah no for sure Herm, Herm's great man yeah um, Mike Leach and Washington State need to watch out they've got Eastern Washington this weekend mm-hmm. not a good not a good matchup for them yeah um, so we'll have to we'll see how that goes mm-hmm I think that's probably all of the the good games this weekend. There's some like other games that are you know worth monitoring, but nothing that I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to watch that. Mizzou at Purdue. Mizzou at Purdue. Purdue coming off a loss at EMU. Yeah, if you want to watch a Big Ten team get it pantsed by a school with a better journalism program, then watch Mizzou at Purdue. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Yeah, Purdue 0 and 2. I love how much we're rhyming Mizzou right now. Purdue 0 fan. and 2. That's really good. Yep. Um, anything yep. else? No, I think that's all I got. Um, yeah, the, I mean, there's there's been a, a handful of games that were going to be all right that got canceled due to weather. Mm-hmm. So I hope I hope everything turns out well. With I mean, yeah, or not well but like i hope nothing horrible happens yeah how about that yeah i think that's that'd be fair. good I, I we probably don't have a ton of east coast listeners but you know guys stay safe yeah uh, i would venture to say we probably have zero east coast be, i've been looking at the i've been looking at the geographic heat map and you'd be surprised where people are listening okay. to this shout out to our minnesota contingent um i see you and just know that you're seen and we appreciate it oh that's awesome um, that is anything, awesome. Anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Um, you know, I think you know. I'm really optimistic about what we're gonna see on on Saturday. I think it's gonna be a good day. Yeah, I agree. Um, in that case, I guess we'll just wrap up. Thanks for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Alex P. Purdy and at R.W. Maxi. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, leave a review, uh, share it with your friends, you know, let people know about this thing you enjoy. Um, and that's going to do it. We'll see you next week talking about whatever happens on Saturday. <laughs>